Hey there. I'd like to begin the episode by thanking the people who have gone to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv and uh, helping us out. If you go there, uh, you can give some money, get lots of cool uh, exclusive content, uh, possibly be even thanked specifically at the beginning of the show, um, and help out uh, your folks, help out the network, help us do what we do. Uh, thanks for everybody who has gone and uh, done that. That is at patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. <laughs> My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs Dispatch, our monthly Q&A listener response topic announcement episode. Yeah, we are here. It is March. It is hard to believe that we're already going to be announcing games for May. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just the way it goes as you live longer and individual year gets shorter. Yeah. yeah. And then they all stop. <laughs> it's it's a a real son of a bitch yeah it's the sudden stop at the end Mm. you know it's not the it's not the years falling no it's not reeling in the years Mm. you know unlike whatever that dan that dan guy says yeah uh yeah so we uh we're gonna get started here with your questions i'll get started with james james says hello gary and cole james here from a very blustery london as of today 13th of march my wife is due to give birth to our first daughter in just a few days I have no idea why you shouldn't ask us. <laughs> uh, that's the, uh, yeah, that, that, I'm just kidding. No, it's a different um, sentence. Yeah. Okay, I know. It's just, it's a very funny way for that to end. Like, yeah, yeah. We, we will keep, we will answer any question. <laughs> um, I have no idea why we've never run it all and probably never will, but it's felt right to share this with you guys. Work has been a big part of my life for years now, and I'm certain your voices will accompany me on many nappy changes and late night rocking sessions. I don't really have a question. Just wanted to thank you for what you do. And uh, for you to know that it gives me a ton of comfort to know that you'll be accompanying me on this big, scary, amazing chapter of my life. Well, congratulations to you and your wife. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. To your wife and your, uh, your daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Thank mm-hmm. you very much. That's very sweet. Yeah, I, uh, I appreciate. Thank you. Uh, th- 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 thank you. Thank you for sharing. Uh, Only if you'll... when you're doing the nappy part, listen to Cole, and when you're doing the rocking sessions, listen to me. Yeah, that'll it's probably work out. Pausing better. that, that you know, riding that pause button, but I don't want to be around <laughs> nappies. I have my balls removed specifically for that. It's uh... a place with clackers, <laughs> like a like a little 70s. office, like a little yeah. Newton's cradle. Yeah, I've got I've got Newton's cradle down there. Oh, I've been trying to man. think of cool, fun things that I could have replaced my balls with now that they don't do very much. Um, Truck nuts. That, Ferrero Rocher <laughs> candies. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, you know oh, tiny, tiny novelty balls. Uh, you know? <laughs> like, like stick shift toppers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, or those things you put in the parking lot so you can find your car. Oh, yeah. Everybody you should know, have little one 76 of those. logos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, just start auctioning off the right to uh to brand them uh but yeah the uh 
I uh, really appreciate those kind words. Yes. And uh, I was about to say we're happy to be uh, to be of service or to help. Uh, that sounds like we're expending any extra effort at all. We'll just continue to be here. Yeah, we'll, we'll be extra uh, parenty. We'll try to be <laughs> extra good for you and your child. <laughs> um, uh, moving on to game questions. Matt says, what game has made you do the quickest Grandpa Simpson at the Maison Derriere? Yeah, referring to Grandpa Simpson walking in, seeing Bart, and then turning around, putting on his hat and leaving. Um, I tried to get into Destiny the other day. For the record, I have played the game before, so I should have had the base level of knowledge. It, it immediately hits you with the nonsense lore. Mars has returned with Savathun's ship, the trickster god. <laughs> Then I tried and failed to figure out which of my weapons was better than the others, how to even get a quest, what all of my ability mods even do, uh, or even what I should be doing. I just shook my head, closed the game, and deleted it. Oh, well. Uh, That does sound obnoxious. Yeah. I know Destiny has a lot of fans, but uh, I've never heard anything about it that sounds good. Uh, every I don't listen to very many games podcasts, but every time a new expansion comes out, I have to like brace myself. We're going to like get a couple of weeks of at least mm, 10 minutes, maybe sometimes a half an hour of. And so the I, I, I got my light to a place where the dark is and my legendaries. And then here comes the messenger who's yeah. got who's got the herald. And like, no, 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 no. Quickly turns into a malediction. Uh, yes. Prophecy. The uh, my my answer for this, even though I know it does cool things, uh, is the Secret World, mm-hmm. uh, which I was interested in because of Lovecraftian connections and such, and because I it had been a while since I'd given an honest go at an MMO mm-hmm. and started it, and just the MM or the uh, uh, UI, just the absolute clutter on the screen of a constant stream of information of people like logging on and logging off of the server. Mm. Um, you know what the, the the different states of the parameters of the world were like it just and i had no you know I, it told me to go to a place i went there there was another person walking around jumping and i was just like fuck this shit yeah uh instantly just like this is dumb i hate this <laughs> and and just walked out yeah um it's hard to think of like a like an extremely recent example i think back when i had gamefly i ordered a prototype oh sure uh, was is Gamefly the was that the subscription service? Yeah, yeah, something where they would mail you the discs. Yeah, or a prototype, and I put it in, thinking, okay, this will be like a fun, you know, romp around kind of thing. And it opens with just a bunch of really like bad, grim, dark kind of story kind of stuff. Mm, and I'm like, mm-hmm. mm, no, this is taking itself too seriously, and I was out. Yeah. I understand it's a good, fun game, you know. I, I think the sequel is supposed to be even better, but um, yeah, it just uh, no dice. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of times when I something like that would happen now, uh, it's for a show. Yes, and then I end up pushing through. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes for better and sometimes for ill. Yeah. You know? Um, Gotham says, uh, "How often do you reset games to maximize your run slash session?" My first time through Subnautica, I got to a certain point and thought to myself, "I bet I could restart and do this faster." And I did. There was something super gratifying about being able to jump off of Life Pod 5 for the second, first time and know where to get the materials, what to build, uh, instead of wandering off and instantly getting bodied by a Reaper. <laughs> I'm hmm? No, I just laughed. Oh, uh, I'm somebody who learns by doing and love being able to run through a familiar space with mastery. That said, I know that with limited time and too many games, this approach isn't for everyone. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thank you for everything. 
I do this all the time with like city builder management sim kind of things. You kind of have to. Yeah. It, fe- it feels like part of the loop mm-hmm. for those. Like you, you, I'm not saying it's impossible, but you're not going to win your first Frostpunk. Oh God, no, you, no. You know, you don't have, the, you don't have the ability to, uh, no. I restarted Subnautica as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for similar reasons, like I just felt kind of dumb, <laughs> you know, like uh, it just had, had not done it. And, uh, so yeah, for, for me, this tends to be, this correlates with games that, um, are not 100% in my wheel mm-hmm. house, you know, like things that are a little bit tricky for me to get into. Like, I don't always love doing this, but yeah. I do it a lot. Yeah. So. Nope. Um, nope. Uh, don't know that I have more to say, so I'll move on to the next one. James says, I'd love to hear your takes on Death Stranding. Uh, I just played the director's cut and thought it was so unique and interesting and would love to hear more lore uh, and what you think it means for open world games holistically, if anything. Thanks. Yeah. I, 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 okay. Yeah. I, I was just going to say, like, we, we talked about this a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, I'm not, uh, I don't have fun with uh, Kojima's trick mm-hmm. uh, very much. I'm interested in the play of it. Yeah. Like, I think that's cool. I just, I hate how he tells stories too much to suffer. It makes me Maison Derriere walk out. <laughs> as soon as somebody says, my name is America Goodman or whatever. I'm like, well, <laughs> yeah. like, why is this tolerated? Um, why does anybody, you know, have the, this sucks, I love it scene with this um, and walk out? So I, I don't know what it, uh, about the lore or what it would mean for open world games holistically. Yeah. It does not seem to have made very much of an impact so far. No, it's no, new. not a lot of stranding games or whatever. It is not necessarily creating a, a huge uh, genre kind of deal. I like Death Stranding a lot, mostly from a play perspective. You know, I do not have the cilantro gene for Kojima's bullshit, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and just just don't have it. Don't feel it like you do, Gary. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, divorced of that, there is some real cool um, science fiction storytelling going on there um, and the atmosphere and the world and the, kind of the specifics of kind of what has happened post uh, post the stranding uh, are all explored very neat. However, because it is Kojima, he just goes in and figures, how can I very tiresomely use every part of this idea, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's a bit of a bummer from a kind of story and lore standpoint is just like, yeah, just everything is going to be explored. Nothing's kind of left to the imagination. Sometimes with Conan O'Brien. Yeah. Because he's a grotesque little star fucker. Yep. No, he's, he's capturing people for, he's, 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 he's capturing people for his virtual menagerie, scanning their essences and such um uh uh, the play i really enjoy the play i like the slowness i like an open world game where topography matters where Mm -hmm. pathfinding um and you know making slow but sure progress is i think that's super interesting it doesn't sound like it would work but the wide open um you know long distance stealth works really really well (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know and um uh, kind of taking your proceeds and reinvesting them into making the routes uh, easier for you in future runs is a super satisfying loop, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So that's my thoughts on death stranding. It's neat. I like it. I wish that uh, there was a way to divorce it. Yep. You know, from things like I wish, I wish a smaller video game company made that game. Yeah. You know, even as like a proof of concept, like took the, the mechanical focus of it and made like a double a, kind of game yeah you know for it as a as a proof of concept rather than starting as the biggest thing yeah you know yeah. That, that could possibly be done mm-hmm. with a lot of baggage yeah 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris says, most of the time, big AAA games of the last generation were big open world affairs with crafting and a leveling system, etc. Do you think that will be the case for every big AAA game going forward? There will always be niche genres, obviously, but do you think one of these niche genres could ever become the go-to for big AAA games, or will they always be open world just to justify how expensive they are? I, I, this will obviously change. Like Stuff changes all the time. Mm-hmm. There are trends. Um, you know, right now, that is what is very big. It wasn't always the case. I th- I think that, like, you know, g- generally, current conditions are not predictors of the future, mm-hmm. and that this stuff moves in trends. Yeah, you know, like right now we are in a big open world checklisty crafty moment. We were previously in a single player cinematic, uh, kind of rails play a movie mm-hmm. moment. Um who knows what tomorrow will bring we we flirted with the the live service moment you know and that's still going on but that's slowly moving away i, I mean bit. like was two, two interesting things recently have happened which makes me think that the worm is turning on a, on a on a couple of these which is i believe that game studios would continue doing the live service thing uh indefinitely but a bunch of those have failed and also that suicide squad kills the justice justice league yeah reveal got such a backlash very specifically to just kind of the mindlessness of the combat and the destiny you know 2.3 percent batman infused you know yeah, yeah. shit you same know? thing that happened to avengers as well yeah which is in superhero yeah. games like that that kind of um you know this is going to be the, these things are getting slammed like the the worm is turning for it yeah yeah you know absolutely it is and for big open world stuff i mean I don't know, like there was a lot of stuff on the merits, but like one of the things that, you know, even if people could ignore the tone um, of Forspoken, the fact that it kind of was just rejected for being a 7.0 or for, for being like a, a six or seven out of 10 open world game that seemed to have some cool ideas, but was mostly a lot of empty space kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, like from the reviews that I read that we're not even just talking about the dialogue and stuff um also kind of tells me that there's a waning appetite for those like even um assassin's creed the new one that's taking place um in iraq um or mesopotamia more broadly um is kind of stepping back from the valhalla odyssey like extremely wide open kind of feel and going to a more city-based um kind of classic assassin's Mm -hmm. creed kind of feel as well i think the, the 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 tide is receding is yeah, our yeah. our vampire survivor likes going to replace it only time will tell <laughs> like, fuck me <laughs> I, the uh, I, god i pray not um we don't need more than one of those um the uh, uh also the, the 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 few reviews that talked about the the game that shall not be named uh that mm-hmm. talked about the actual like game part of it also talked about the big empty open yeah, spaces a lot i remember that being a call out yeah uh thing and the the few like you know mm-hmm. the the things that critically engaged with the gameplay part of it yeah um yeah like that that worm is turning and it will continue to turn i think mm-hmm. yeah who knows don't know about the future it's anybody's guess yeah from the beginning uh, of uh, the blossom theme song <laughs> uh let's see mason writes 
uh, damn near a decade long listener here and just want to say how much I love the shows and appreciate the work that you two have put in. Thank you. Thank you. Um, have I, have either of you played the final cut of Disco Elysium? Uh, I was never able to play it uh, when it originally came out, but finally got the opportunity to uh, when it came out on PS5. I was immediately captivated by the narrator's voice and didn't even realize the original version didn't have a narrator until watching some videos once I beat the game for things that I might have missed. Uh, if you have played the Final Cut, are there things that you like slash dislike about it? If you haven't, do you have any intentions of playing it at some point? Uh, I bought it on Switch. Mm-hmm. I have not played it, and I can't find it, which is a bad feeling. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like no. I misplaced it. Yeah, I was going to uh, live on to play it, so I wanted to find it for her, but I'm not sure where it's at. It's in a box somewhere because mm. uh, I, I got it before the move. Yeah. Uh, there. Uh, I want to play it pretty badly because um, new Disco Elysium is holy. Uh, my, I am torn. The purgatory I'm in is like I want to try to experience new things in the game. I also made decisions in that game based so much on my like personhood that mm-hmm. I'm afraid I would do all the exact same things. Yeah. In it. yeah. Uh, but I still like, I I'm definitely going to play it. I just haven't done it yet. Yeah. For me. Yeah. Uh, I have not played it partially because I have an inkling that one time, one day I might stream it, which might mm-hmm. be a fun way to experience it uh, again, you know, through fresh eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, just have not uh, played it. Looks neat. And I'm, I'm down with the narration. Yeah. More, more people having, it. and the hearing uh, enough people say that like the narration is good is yeah. really encouraging because I had voices in my head, mm-hmm. you know, for like a lot of that stuff. Um, if they landed it, that's, that's great. So very excited. I ended up getting that game for both of my bandmates <clears throat> Ooh. Uh, for Christmas. And uh, yeah, they, uh, one of them played it, enjoyed him. One of them hasn't played it yet. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I encourage all my listeners to harass him <laughs> into playing it. But I won't tell you which one. It's my little guessing game. Um, Craig says, uh, do you ever find yourself unable to play a game or had your experience tainted because of real world events? The most extreme example of this for me as a dirty old lefty was feeling unable to continue with the Call of Duty games as wars raged on the Middle East and the games felt like distasteful propaganda. More recently, Resident Evil Evil 3 felt like a rough chuckle as civil unrest and pandemics dominated the news and even Elden Ring's brutal brutal war-ravaged fantasy felt tougher to swallow as a terrible, unthinkable war got underway on my continent. On the flip side, bringing my real-world views and experiences to a game like Disco Elysium made it a lot richer. Is this something you experience or am I being a little baby man? Speaking of little baby man, mm-hmm. I just wanted to say I loved your adaptation decay episode about nightmare, which brought back my 35 year old terror at that decaying face that they use as a health bar. What a wild kid show. Agreed. It's a wild kid show. A great kid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that episode is very fun. I really, uh, this, you know, it goes out to Craig, but like everybody, I'm really glad they got a big response yes. from people who had nostalgia for that. Uh, mm-hmm. It was very heartening. Yeah. To, to see that. I was like, yeah, yeah, man, this, this fucking owns. I'm jealous of your childhood. <laughs> um, this is awesome. Yeah. Um, uh, so the, for, for the first day for the first one, my answer is honestly, no. Uh, and I am fully ready to admit that that is because, uh, I have not been personally touched by a lot of tragedy, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. any of these. Uh, so yeah, you know, I think that, when the pandemic was starting up, I was playing pay, Plague Inc. as a way to cope. Right. Yeah. I I just I don't I don't feel those those things generally. Yeah. 
uh, for me. Like something will happen on an individual level. Like I will feel um, like a, a, a specific plot beat mm-hmm. might feel different to me because yeah. of my, my personal experience or because of things in the world. But a general concept like that, I, I just don't have that degree of sensitivity. Uh, mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that Craig is a baby man. No, absolutely not. Or by any means. It just, uh, I just don't have that sensitivity. Yeah. Um, for that, there'll be times where I'm like, I'm not in the, you know, I'm in a bad mood. I don't want to, you know, uh, you know, make myself feel worse. I don't want to talk to mm-hmm. clouds on a rainy day. Yeah. Yeah. Know, uh, kind of thing. And that, that happens or, uh, more commonly, I don't have right now the intellectual rigor yeah. to, to deal with this. Like I don't, I need something stupid. Yes. You know, so it's, it's more about just like how themey and deep something is and whether i'm in the mood for that not which direction mm-hmm. the themey deepness goes for me yeah yeah so far it hasn't made me stop playing a game or kept me from from playing a game yeah i don't yeah. think there's anything wrong with it yeah not at all yeah um uh, popo for show show uh says with the release of the metroid prime remake i've been thinking a lot about translating 2d genres to 3d and vice versa is metroid prime a good 3d translation of a metroidvania is hollow knight a good 2d translation of a souls like are there other genres that would be a better that would be better translations personally i hope metroid prime 4 is an immersive sim uh that'd be wild that would be wild. Yeah. I don't know how likely that is. I I, I personally think that um, Metroid Prime is probably a good adaptation of 2D Metroid, but it's I don't think that's necessarily like a, a well-guided intention. Yeah. Like it works. Exploring in that game is really fun. I don't think fighting ever is. No, in no. It. And, and fighting in Metroid games is never really that fun. Like a lot of the boss fights are Resident Evil style boss fights, like DPS races. Yeah. You know, but those just are worse in 3D mm-hmm. uh, when you don't have perfect information. You have things coming at you from behind and from other angles and stuff. I think those just kind of are not as fun mm-hmm. uh, that way. Yeah. Um, so, like, it, it, they're kind of different questions. Like, it's an okay ad- adaptation of that, but it just doesn't. I, I wish it wasn't. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't think that's worth adapting personally. Yeah. Uh, for me. Yeah, it'd be uh, it'd be it'd be better if they made more concessions to it being a uh, you know first person shooter kind of deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. or or just um, you know de-emphasize yes that stuff. Um, it just my my main memories of Metroid Prime ha- are a lot of fighting, mm-hmm. like a lot of boss fights, a lot of fighting, and a lot of platforming challenges, which are also more difficult in three D. Yeah, like what you get for that is you trade that feeling of being there and immersion, which is what everyone talks about in this you know, grand, you know, Metroid prime is the best game on switch. Yeah. And discourse is that feeling of landing and hearing the music, seeing the rain and looking around like that is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's no denying that. Like, that's awesome. It's just, yeah. there's a whole game after that you have to play mm-hmm. that I don't think is, is particularly good personally. Yeah. Um, um, and I would say, yes, Hollow Knight is a great 2d translation of a souls, like primarily in a, a lot of ways, because it does not, try to very accurately um model the combat yeah you know it's not a i mean like that there's no stamina on your hit it's more kind of animation focused and your little combo you know and uh, the stamina and healing kind of gets around because of the um mana system in there that uh models that ebb and flow uh very well uh yeah by you know 
capturing the you know the mood and the storytelling i think they make you know that's what makes one of the best ones 2d metroidvania this is a souls-like kind of deal i kind of feel like in my experience with them the more they very specifically try to do a dark souls thing uh the less uh it holds together with a few very you know basically with one notable exception which is grime it, the uh and even grime plays very different yeah very different tone you know things like that like it, it's the uh these are actually two examples that are really good to put next to each other yes uh in terms of concessions right so like i think metroid prime actually does emulate what the boss fights of metroid feel like mm-hmm. you know pretty well like one-to-one it just doesn't feel good in 3d mm-hmm. whereas hollow knight does not do too much that like those boss fights feel entirely different than than like a souls boss fight like they actually make all of the concessions to make it uh, a cohesive and good work overall rather than a adaptation yeah you know it, it takes the flavor and takes kind of elements but it it leaves the elements behind where where necessary mm-hmm. um yeah I, I i think it is much more successful personally agreed now yeah. uh andrew says hey guys What's your take on character creators? Do you try to make someone that looks like you or do you make a fucked up little guy? Which are your faves and which don't you engage in with at all? Looking at you, XCOM. Thanks. I'm not a guy who gets down on the sliders, really. You yeah. know? Uh, this I, is a weird thing we have in common. Uh, yeah. We talked about this and we're, we're out of step with people. Uh, people love making their person and crafting their person and then they'll like go on Twitter and show off their character. Mm-hmm. You know, this this plays into our lack of that much interest in fashion souls as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, we're just not that, we're not those people, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, like, I'm happy they're there. Like, you know, fired up a little long and was, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's, you could do some really cool stuff with this. I'm sure people have done really cool stuff with this. Preset two, please. Yeah. <laughs> give, give Give me your white man. <laughs> give, give me something that doesn't look actively stupid. Yes. And then I'm fine to go. Yes. You know, yeah. sometimes I'll make a little Gary mm-hmm. uh, version. And, so, but otherwise I just try to make a beardo. Yeah. You know, I, I, I just try to make, or like an old man that amuses me. Yeah. Uh, trying to make it like an old grizzled, like a, a Crashmore <laughs> in a game. If I can play as a Crashmore, I'm pretty into it. Uh, but I don't, it, it's just not that fun for me. I, I get why it is fun for some folk. And there's also, there's identity stuff this uh rubs up against yeah yeah that we're in a real privileged position about like we are not incentivized to try to create an avatar mm-hmm. that represents us yes given that like a lot of times the default like white guy too is closer to us yeah than it would be for a lot of people and that's that's a privilege but it is also the case right like mm-hmm. i can't pretend like that's not my experience even if it is yeah. there's an explanation for it yeah so, you know, I, I, I always appreciate when developers go to great lengths to put that in for folks who, for, for folks who really enjoy it, not mm-hmm. just because I like other people to have a good time, but also because of the, uh, representation kind of thing. See the, um, you know, Saints Row for having gender sliders for letting you pick a voice, your, you know, irrespective of what body type you've got. Uh, you're 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 rolling with see wo long um where they put in a great deal of time and effort uh not just giving a gender neutral uh kind of pronoun thing um uh you know for english but also like incorporating that in a bunch of language which apparently is hell it is hell to do (laughs) 
you know? So it's a worthwhile thing to do. It's just for me personally. No, give me a white guy number two. uh, A real neat thing you can do. uh, Liv started playing the Demon Souls remake. And in that game, you can choose your gender, but then your animations separately. Oh, nice. So if you want to, you know, move like in, in, they they call them body type A and body type B, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, not perfect, but the, uh, if you want to move in a certain way, but look another way you can Mm -hmm. yeah, as well. Like it's neat. Like Mm -hmm. I, I'm in favor of all that stuff. It kind of dovetails really well with the next question. Yeah. Um, you know, which I'll, I'll go ahead and just roll this into it because it's, I think we're going to end up on a similar place. Yeah. Uh, Maxwell says, uh, what makes great option? What makes a great options menu? Are there accessibility options that you wish were more games? Yeah. Uh, basically like I, I want all the options that could ever possibly be. Okay. Yeah. Because even if they're not for me, they're not hurting me that they're there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're going to be important to someone. Yeah. You know, so like something like this, like these are options that I don't personally care about, mm-hmm. but somebody does. You know, yeah. and there are, there are options I care about and I notice them when they're not gone. It's people are too individual to try to make a one size fits all anything. Yeah. Uh, for stuff like this. Yeah. Um, what makes a good options menu for me? Uh, two things. Where is the subtitles? Where, yeah. like, where are the subtitles? Uh, if it's under um, accessibility, you know, thumbs up. Way to go. If it's under audio. Cool. Thank you. Um, has to do with you know auditory processing. There you go. If it's under gameplay, mm, that's a paddling. Yeah. If it's under graphics, that's a paddling. <laughs> yeah, um, I uh, I would really love uh, more robust colorblind modes for mm-hmm. things. Obviously, um, game developers don't understand colorblindness. No. very well. A lot of times, it just turns like up the um, saturation. No, that's know, for things. <laughs> Like, which, which can be certain kinds of colorblindness, like that right. can actually do it, right? Like, yeah, yeah. And, and certain colors. But a lot of times that's what happens when you flip on a colorblind mode uh-huh. um, to something. And it's not, it's not the same. <laughs> Sorry. I just, yeah. <laughs> just like, okay, no, no. You, you, so you've got uh, light, light sensitivity. Okay, let's, let's bump up the contrast. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you can really not see it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now um that that's my my personal bugbear but i also i love an incredibly detailed options menu yeah uh, that just has every single thing that i can tweak to my own content mm-hmm. um, like i will try things on normal generally uh but i love to be able to fuck around yeah shit like that no it's uh, uh um uh, uh, also don't come up with cute names for things just name it what it is oh yeah you know yeah. and de- and definitely no condescending names for things yes uh, the, uh, you know, baby mode, daddy, can I have a sniper rifle doom bullshit? Like I hate that stuff is an option menu, uh, nightmare to me. It mm-hmm. should be illegal. I hate it. Yeah. Oh man. I'm trying to think. Oh yeah. And, uh, uh, one of the, my favorite things that I like is the, uh, um, option to change button matching stuff into holes. Oh Yeah. Yeah. Give me that, that. That's not even like a, 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 that's an accessibility thing, but it's not even for accessibility. Like, what are you testing in me yeah. for my button mashing? You know, like what, what virtue am I displaying mm-hmm. uh, by being able to mash a button quickly? Yeah. You know, just letting me bypass this horse shit, this barely interactive horse shit, I think is always good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Uh, Want to move on to like questions? Yeah. Let's right. do um samurai snail writes uh have you ever had any regrets in your social life that were somehow gaming related back in high school i had gotten invited to a party which i hadn't known about until that moment but immediately had no interest had no interest in attending 
Uh, I'm sure it was due to a mix of social anxiety and general disinterest in hanging out with people who weren't already my close friends. Even though I can't remember the certainly lame excuse I gave for not wanting to go, I do occasionally recall the night of the party and that I'd uh, instead spent it at home in my room alone programming a haunted house text adventure into my TI-83. Although I now reminisce upon that time fondly, I still sometimes wish I could go uh, take back my dumb excuse and just let him know that I'd rather uh, hang out with a calculator. Brutal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cold. Yeah. <laughs> very, very, very cold. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Uh, uh, pe- yeah people I don't mean... need to know that you just want to stay at home and whack off. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were wacky off. You were playing it, making it. It's creating stuff. Yeah. It sounded like you're very dismissive about no, programming. Oh, oh no, no, no. I'm not I'm not even doing that. It's just more like you don't just be like, you know, you you don't have to be perfectly honest with why you want to bow out of something yeah. because chances are it's not their business. I would love to normalize like I just don't want to do that. Yeah. You yeah. know, uh that's the thing. Like I've been rewatching select episodes of It's Always Sunny and they constantly do that. Uh-huh. And I really kind of admire it. <laughs> like just like I'm not interested in that at all. And then they just move on to their subject and it's it's <laughs> rude but it's also very like honest yeah you know and and you you can't you can't do that um i i don't have i have regrets that are like social regrets like that but they're not gaming related yeah yeah you know generally so like uh there are things that i wish i i had done and stuff socially there are also things i wish i hadn't done mm-hmm. like the, the flip side of this is like there's lots of shitty parties i've been to which i much would have, would have had much more fun like staying home and playing fucking legend of grandia you know and that's not a good game like but i i would have probably had more fun yeah, yeah. Yeah, Jade Cocoon was calling me, and yet I went out to this party and got sick and and didn't do you know what did that do for the greater good? You know, <laughs> nothing. You know, it was not worth my time. Yeah, yeah. You know, I could have found out the source of the shadow madness. Yeah, like you know, and it's not going to find itself uh, there. So yeah, so uh, nothing I can specifically remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, group of friends I hung out with in high school playing Halo uh with those guys you know it's real close with them like this is not very specifically like gaming related but uh you know that the the shared activity kind of like slowly drifted over to poker you know and i just kind of got less interested in that and Mm -hmm. it was just kind of less fun to hang around and you know play poker because i wasn't that interested in texas hold'em you know yeah uh, I, I, I kind of feel like I could have made more of an effort to uh, stick around with it, but also, I don't know, is it on me to do something I don't think is that fun? I, yeah, that's the thing. Like it's, it's, it's a, it's an interesting question with a blo- a broader philosophical base than it initially seems, I think, mm-hmm. you know, where the onus lies for the creation of interest. Yes. Right. Like it dovetails with a, a lot of discussions of it in the discourse and everything, but whether it is on you, the person to shape yourself into somebody who is interested in something or whether it mm-hmm. is on the thing to capture your interest. Yeah. You know, yeah. how virtuous is it for you to be pliable mm-hmm. in that way uh, and be kind of up for anything? Yeah. You know, I don't know. Like it's, it's a, it's yeah. a, a weird thing that I think everybody has like a stance on, mm-hmm. but it's not something that's discussed very much. Yeah, you know, like this is this is also tied up with just kind of a broader. You know, I kind of wish I stayed in touch, stayed in touch with folk, those folks a little bit more. Yeah, you know, you know which hard to get around. Yeah, that that that's also, and that can also be a related but separate concern, right? Yes, yeah. like a bunch of my old friends when they got way into pot, all they yeah. would do is smoke pot, and it sucked. <laughs> I hated it, and part of me hated them for it. 
uh, mm-hmm. because it, they made, it made them boring. That's all they wanted to do. It like greatly constrained the possibility space of what we could do. Yeah. And uh, one of the things I think about a lot is that they wanted me to hang out. They liked me. Mm-hmm. They wanted to include me. They were, you know, on some level kind of respected that I didn't want to get high. Mm-hmm. So one of the things they would do is they would try to have there be like booze. Oh, yeah. I have very distinct memories of being out in a shed. Uh, my, my friend, uh, Mike, uh, who went by Sparky, which I, I didn't want a tangent on, but he was a grown adult <laughs> man who went by Sparky for most of his life, uh, in his shed with them all smoking pot in the shed and him giving me a two liter of watered down gin that he had stolen. Like he had taken some gin Ugh. and then to make it enough, like he'd watered it down. And like the thought was sweet, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, but it was just, where does the onus lie in that? Like their intention is good. Does that mean that I should have been more grateful? Was I under on the hook to like start smoking pot? <laughs> so I could, I could be part of that social scene. Like it's, it's a interesting question. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, it's interesting trying to figure out what the right thing to do was. And the ultimate answer is like, there isn't a right thing to do. I yeah. followed my like 23 year old instincts mm-hmm. uh, and I'm fine now. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I can have regrets around, around it if I want to, but it, it's not something that I think we were all idiots. Yeah. Like I wasn't operating with a, with a full set of experiences and contexts and neither were they. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, we were just doing our best. We were just dumb kids. Yeah. yeah. You know, I have a lot of grace for, not just for them, you know, who I look back on and I think like, oh, that, that was very sweet of them. I also have grace for me not being, you know, it wasn't on me as a kid necessarily to be super magnanimous about this misguided two liter watered down gin <laughs> in, in a shed, which is a very different experience. God, you know, <laughs> drinking watered down gin in a shed is, is not the equivalent of like smoking a J in the jet in the shed, I, we, we, man, just how many parties in a shed? Like, cause I had that experience too. There was a shed out behind my college house that we, you know, hung around in. A like we were just, yeah, it was the, it was, it was, it was the party shed, you know, just we, we were grilling outside and we we're just kind of hanging inside the shed, listening to music. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, go ahead. <clears throat> oh, uh, no, no, nothing. Nothing. Yeah, nothing. Is this, uh, this is me. Yes. Uh, Tanuki boot says, hello, cool question. Apologize if this has been asked before. Curious when your experience with motion sickness began, is it triggered by only certain types of media? Do you get car sick slash seasick also vertigo attacks? Uh, I'm curious as I didn't get my first episode until a few years ago in my early thirties. I decided the best way to play RE7 would be to get the, get the house pitch black, put on noise-canceling headphones, pour a big gin and tonic. Flash forward to me getting up in a cold sweat and stumbling around. Hoped it was the gin, but that was not the case. And ended up playing the rest of the game in well-lit rooms and shorter chunks with the appropriate settings tweaked. Next time that happened was with Doom Eternal. Interestingly, I've met several people who say both these games as their first, first motion sickness experiences as well. Bummer to think that I might have to completely avoid VR gaming, although luckily I subscribe to the Gary I Enjoy the Artifice school of thought. Thanks for all you do. Genuinely, my favorite podcast network. Shoutouts to Guppy in particular. Mm. Hell yeah, Guppy Army. Guppy. Um, oh. Yeah, if you have any ideas for what we should do after Isaac, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, we're crowdsourcing it, baby. Uh, yeah. Um, so uh, regarding motion sickness and VR, I'll just knock that that one down here um, uh, first, which is depending on the kind of motion sickness that you have, VR might not be that big of a deal, actually. Mm-hmm. 
um for me i thought it was going to be a huge problem however being able to control where i look like being in control of the of the situation um mm-hmm. uh, takes away most of the uh takes away most of the kind of danger not generally getting motion sick outside of like certain kind of vertigo kind of things you know like i'm not going to play like the uh, horizon game where you're climbing the mountain because yeah. i'm standing on firm ground but i look down and there's nothing below me what the fuck <laughs> yeah well this is all dependent like yes. i can't i can't do walk around vr mm-hmm. uh basically ever yeah. uh if i if i my care if i move a controller and my headset moves mm-hmm. uh thing i i can't do it yeah, i have to teleport um this yeah. is yeah it just depends so it, it may or may not be there might be settings you can tweak yes and stuff. there also might not be yeah and it's a it's a big financial risk uh to it, on a maybe yeah definitely don't spend a bunch of money on a maybe like try it out at somebody's yeah. house you know first just to see you know stuff like that mm-hmm. but just a yeah. little bit little bit of solace there if that was a you know if that was a bummer for you um uh, no i've i've dealt with motions of sickness pretty much my entire life it's only you know uh in some ways it's gotten worse some ways it's gotten better but like i when i grew up i got frequent ear infections like at a certain point i lost uh 95% of my hearing generally mm. uh it's kind of a miracle that i can speak given when that happened and for how long it was you know and can speak mm-hmm. with relatively minimal impairment um uh Ooh, but la-di-da. <laughs> la-di-da. big brag over here <laughs> it just it can change it's a it's a varied thing but yeah, yeah fucked up inner ears and fucked up cochlea and stuff had you know very bad seasickness which made like going fishing with my dad on lake erie oh you know horrible <laughs> very horrible mm. thing even though i you know it would have been it would have been fun to enjoy that right Mm-hmm. um but um uh but yeah car sick uh seasick all of that there kind of was there the entire time like um uh, uh video games never really bothered me with it until first person shooters uh, kind of deal mm-hmm. like the first time i can remember really getting motion sick playing a game was playing like the n64 south park game <laughs> you know yeah. getting that on a rental like haha I, I i talked to my parents and letting me rent this uh you know rent, rent this dirty game haha and then the frame rate is so low and stuff is so floaty that it's like whoa that cold yeah. mo- that cold motion six sweat is so terrible um yeah, yeah. uh yeah. G- generally like there are only certain things that trigger it but only because motion sickness it's a constellation of a bunch of different kinds of things everybody's case is going to be a little bit different it's kind of similar to uh colorblindness um in that way just yeah kind of you know personal different you know different varieties stuff like that generally see the options uh discussion uh for uh this as well field of view and certain like head wobble kind of things the more options of for those the better that let, let me customize it make it pretty much not an issue head wobbling is a crime oh yeah in games that should be outlawed <laughs> i mean I, I i know i want an option i'm just joking yeah, being yeah. outlawed, but like that always sets me off yeah uh, it looks like crap uh to me i don't wobble my head that much when i actually walk no no you know they, who are these people <laughs> think about nexus think about nexus people are you know gyroscopic not like chicken gyroscopic yeah. but your body no, wants your though. your body your body wants your eyes to be level with the horizon yeah it <laughs> call it crazy the, the uh yeah uh, head wobble as a, an immersion maker thing is so frustrating to me <laughs> um moving on to media questions uh, yeah. is this me or you 
this is me. Uh, oh, yeah. John- Jonathan writes, you guys have mentioned, quote, non-douchey guitar before as something <laughs> you'd like to hear in more video game soundtracks. Uh, I'm not as musically knowledgeable as y'all, so I have a hard time grokking just what that means. What are some examples of bands or musicians that use douchey guitar uh, and examples that you guys think uh, exemplified non-douchey guitar? Uh, I'm worried that my favorite bands <laughs> like Blood Red Shoes or Metric uh, might fall into the douchey guitar tier. Um, anyway, thanks a million for all the great content. Quackstack is off to a great start, and Gwen owns Bones. Uh, we she agree. does. She does. Yeah, she's great. That show is really fun to do. Yeah. And uh, Gwen is a blessing. Yeah. Um, don't First of all, don't have any feelings about bands you like. About mm-hmm. This is all just subjective. Music is more subjective than most art forms, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what constitutes douchey guitar is going to really vary. Yeah. For any number of uh, of people. For me, a douchey guitar is distorted kind of butt rocking. Yeah. Uh guitar um that does not that is the lead instrument, like that is the star. <laughs> yeah. Um I do not like guitar solos or like guitar heroics that much mm-hmm. in a in a thing. Uh and then when it comes through in video games, it feels extra silly. Yeah. Uh to me. Um, an example of this where it's like, I can see the charm of it, but I also think it's a little bit obnoxious and I not asking you to go with me on this, but like the Silent Hill two theme has always seemed a little silly to me. Mm -hmm. It's not as bad, you know, it's not bad. And again, it's a little bit charming, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's sounds a little like, I don't know, like it's, it's really hard to describe strokey or douchey as like a, an adjective. Yeah. You know, It, it, it is totally goofy. It's fun as hell to play though. Uh, sure. Yeah. yeah they, I mean, and the, the game is fun to play as well. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it, it's, yeah, yeah. it's, yeah, totally, totally goofy, I guess, is maybe a more accurate. Yeah. Description. Uh, no, the, 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 the part of theme of Laura that I, I cannot get behind is when it sounds like a James Bond theme song. Uh, yeah. <laughs> don't, 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 don't. Yeah. Uh, I agree. Like, especially if it is guitar forward, like feels like it's kind of, kind of trying to borrow, borrow cool from two decades ago. That, that's know? a good way to put it like it if not borrowing cool from two decades ago feels a little bit like it's borrowing cool from another medium yeah to me uh and and in a way that is not that is very uh prone to aging yeah you know i think about um in uh you know control when you get to hear a poets of the fall song yeah in in the the uh the the middle of it Mm-hmm. You know, and it just it it's kind of quaint. Like I get that it's kind of cute, so I I'm sympathetic to the person who's like, no, this rules actually, because mm-hmm. it's a little cute. But yeah. it, it does also feel really weirdly dated and instantly um, tacky. I guess yeah uh, is is maybe another word I would use for douchey or strokey. Mm-hmm. It's a little tacky. Strokey. I don't understand this. Like oh, stroking like, off, uh, like oh, masturbatory. Oh. <laughs> Pulling your pud. sorry you said stroking off and i heard it as stroking off which is fun yeah you know stroking off uh various meat chilies (laughs) you know (laughs) the the the, uh goulash you know what i'm talking about i know what you're talking about yeah yeah Yeah. um yeah but uh an extremely fronted let's say uh drop d chugging like when it's not in a fucking doom soundtrack (laughs) It's, it's weird that doom gets away with that and even i i only really think doom gets away with it in medieval in play yeah well or in, in play yeah, and yeah. in 1993 yeah or whatever like pe- people love that sonic like new sonic butt metal 
mm-hmm. uh, songs. And again, again, I understand intellectually the the concept behind Lowell, this sucks. I love it. <laughs> but Lowell, this sucks. I love it is something that I really struggle with. Yeah. yeah. Uh, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, no. Yeah. Uh, Dirt says, uh, Gary, I've heard you make a lot of subtle and not so subtle references to pavement songs over the years. That said, I'm curious where pavement ranks for you as a band and whether they've had significant impact during a certain age or any other point of your life. Not sure where Cole stands, but love to see you guys. Uh, or would you ever consider doing something similar to file underwater series on REM or dusting off teenage dirtbags for a curated look back at pavements, history and influence. Um, I love pavement. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a, I'm a white guy of a certain age. Yeah, of course I do. Um, I'm a little bit of normie. Like I am a bright in the corners, crooked rain, crooked rain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and weirdly terror twilight guy the other records have had less of an impact on me but i still you know still like them uh but a little bit less of an impact um they're not like in my super close-knit pantheon mm-hmm. you know uh other than those two those those first two records which i you know basically wore out the grooves on like wore out my cds on yeah yeah um i like pavement it's really good music. I, you know, didn't listen to them concurrently, you know, because I was just too young when they were doing their best stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, my version of that with, with you know, just personnel overlap would be like I got into the Silver Jews, you know, mm-hmm. mid 2000s indie rock kind of stuff. Uh, so that 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 was me there. Uh, but yeah, I'm 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 for them. Not again. I'm, you know. Yeah. But Pavement is one of those bands that very well could activate my why you got to sing like that, man. Uh, instincts but it doesn't yeah yeah. like i let stephen malcolmus get away with it like just i I, you know and it's just it's baked into me like i'm i'm too much of the guy i am to not like that band yeah Yeah. (laughs) uh they do have really funny music videos it would make if we ever did teenage dirtbags covering one of their music videos would be fun Mm -hmm. those dudes are hilarious like uh you know surprisingly for the 90s like i never saw their music videos i wasn't watching mtv at the time that they were, they were about really, or the right kinds of MTV. Uh, so, you know, I didn't discover those until I was older, but they are funny. No, no. Um, file under, I don't know if we'll do another style file underwater thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aria might've been the perfect storm for that. Yeah. 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 It's a per- perfect overlap yep. for us. Yeah. Um, what do you, what do you say about doing lightning round and then getting to, uh, the topic? That sounds good. Okay. Uh, I'll get us started. Dylan writes, what's your quote favorite game that makes you think this is terrible, but I have to see how this dumb shit ends. Uh, I don't, I, I typically don't do that. I will just look it up. Yeah. YouTube if it, if is it, the hack. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. YouTube or TV tropes or Wikipedia or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, typically I don't get a lot out of, uh, going down with an individual ship. I try not to go down with art ships. Yeah. Uh, anymore. That's a, I don't, it's just not for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, same. Yeah. Uh, John says, what game or games are best for getting lost in both figuratively and literally EverQuest baby. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I, it was real fun being lost in both Elden ring and breath of the wild. Mm-hmm. Uh, when those games were big, new, unfamiliar spaces. Yeah. Uh, for me, mm-hmm. I enjoyed that quite a bit. Being lost in thieves fun. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cause yeah, you don't have the full map being lost in mm-hmm. Morrowind was great. Oh God. Yeah. Fuck Morrowind's that, great. Oh, yeah, yeah. Morrowind is really good about that. It's a weird elder scrolls thing, actually like mm-hmm. elder scrolls games, you know, three, four and five are all pretty good at that. Even the uh-huh. ones that are not as cool as Morrowind. Like it is fun to be lost in oblivion as well. Yeah. 
just like ah, I, you're, you're ever like lost you can always pull up a map but you know what i mean <laughs> um let's hear jordan says uh okay we're done fucking around time for the hard-hitting <laughs> questions who is the greatest pop culture wizard now i don't mean who's the most powerful or who's the sexiest the only qualifier being which wizard would be the most at home scrying through the orb while learning the mysteries of the cosmos and shit like that i need wizard content Mm. Man, that that's a tough one. I gotta say, Randall Flag. Yeah, yeah. You know, evil wizard, but yeah, wizard, old wizard Waitley kind of kind of scenario there. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah. I don't, I don't know. A lot of the big famous, like I think Gandalf is lame. You know, <sighs> I, I think like a lot of the big wizards are a little bit crappy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, Raceland. <sighs> yeah, uh, maybe. Yeah, Ra- 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 Raceland's pretty good, especially in Brian? the set. Mm, yeah, yeah Raceland. Yeah, I like I like Raceland even more than I like you know, Fizban or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's going to be Elminster. You know, Elminster's a real orb. <laughs> like if you know what I yeah. like, Elminster actually might be like that guy is sits at home with an orb and ponders the mysteries of the cosmos oh. like nobody's business. Oh God. Yeah. And then goes and smokes a big pipe at an inn, but it's not obnoxious. Like when Gandalf does it. And <laughs> yeah. El- Elminster has the uh, setting as a huge deal. So you get, yeah. uh, you get uh, the, the forgotten realm stuff in there. Yeah. yeah. The wizard is really the operative constraining word for this. It is, you know, yeah. cause there are more interesting settings and stuff, but wizard has with it a kind of a fantasy cliche, Melu mm-hmm. that it brings with it. Yeah. You know, um, Nicholas says, uh, do you miss doing WAF skits? Uh, also, which ones are your favorite? I'm particularly fond of the cave story one. Hmm. I don't remember the cave story one. Neither do I. No, I don't really um, miss it. They, they were fun to edit. Like I enjoyed doing, you know, doing that. It just, uh, a lot of the, a lot of the time it got down to the wire and it's like, Oh God, what are we, we going to do? What are we going to do? Yeah. That, that, <laughs> that part was not fun. It was also really time consuming. So it was yeah. fun to edit, but it was also, uh, you know, too time consuming. Yes. Ultimately. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't really miss it. I still think of them. Uh, mm-hmm. sometimes my favorite ones are all the fake commercial ones. Yeah. That's my Tim and Eric DNA. So it's like mm-hmm. fast and shit. Yeah. Uh, and, and when you're here, you're a family Resident mm-hmm. Evil four, like that kind of stuff is my favorite. Yeah. I like fake advertising. Yeah. Uh, I, I was thinking about the, uh, the act razor one where just kind of like, okay, the God goes away for a while and comes back and, you know, civilization has fallen apart primarily because they worship Arby's something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Silly, silly, <laughs> silly, uh, yeah. Johns of young men. Let us let, let, let us celebrate by adding beef to cheddar. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, Stephen writes back in the Vice City episode, Gary mentioned that he had never played Grand Theft Auto Five. Uh, I'm just curious if you have, and if so, what are your thoughts on it? I personally enjoyed the story of GTA Four more than Five, but it's still an amazing game. I haven't played it yet. I have been weirdly tempted a little bit because I've been in a gamey rut. Yeah. You know, and I was like, oh, that kind of sounds a little bit fun, uh, but I haven't. Weird haven't gone deep on it it's real good i just kind of want to drive around yeah it's you know good, it's I, a I good game for doing it <laughs> yeah i, I want to kind of drive around a city that sounds fun to me like drive on a motorcycle mm-hmm. everything i just haven't done it uh, yeah but i might i i forgot i, I bought that i got that for free from epic mm. uh at some point yeah um it's in my library i just haven't played it yeah. so yeah uh holland says a nightmare on elm street is real and <laughs> oh no <laughs> oh shit <laughs> breaking news everyone uh freddy's got his eyes on duck feed 
What would be the elaborate, ironic way that Freddy Krueger would kill you? Ooh, baby. Ooh, because I never um, really leave the house. I think he would just start making my house smaller, smaller, yeah, smaller like until it, until it crushes me. Yeah, yeah. yeah I need more well, space. Of course, like in toys. Yeah, exactly. Like in toys. <laughs> like everybody knows from toys. Yeah, just Freddie just it... needs a little bit more space. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's a real, real good way to die. I, I, <laughs> it's <laughs> just. I was thinking of like a, like an ironic uh, thing that isn't just me taking the most annoying part of myself, mm, no. you know, and, and just like saying like, Oh, I get drowning copies of Chrono Trigger or something like that. Mm, yeah. I, I don't, I don't know what it would be. Yeah. I would leave it up to the artist. I, I respect the art. It would be a collaboration <sighs> when Freddie killed me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it'd be, I'd, I'd want him to have his own input. You know, <laughs> what you don't want is a Freddie. Who's like the guy who fixes the cabinets in Seinfeld. Who's like constantly asking Jerry, like, you know, you want beveled or unbeveled? Okay, just one more question. And yeah. he's just like, no, you just figure it out. Like, I hired you to do this. Yeah. That's how I feel about Freddie. Mm-hmm. You know, let him do it. Yeah. But on I'm the surprising. other side of that, too, where, you know, I've had a client who was just way too, way too hands on, you know, second guessing yeah. everything. No, no. Just, uh, you, uh, you hire somebody for a purpose, you let them do it. Yes. You know, uh, and that's when I hire Freddie to murder me. That is what I want. Boy, I really shouldn't have given that plumber that much leeway. Yeah, well, you know. Yeah. Yeah, you fucked yeah, up. That, that instinct really came back to bite me in the ass. Yeah, it's just like in toys. <laughs> 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 like, 1992 Barry Levinson film. <laughs> Abram writes, I've been rummaging in the Duckfeed archives while listening to the Devil May Cry episode. Uh, uh, you mentioned a creature with burning uh, wheels for hands. My ears perk up. Gary says it has torchbearers for feet. I laugh. Cole is utterly confused. Gary says it's a Luke Crane joke and it's a niche audience. That audience is me. Yay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know who Luke Crane is and I don't get the reference. And I'm fucking scared. <laughs> yeah. Good, good joke past me. Uh, burning wheels for hands and torchbearers for feet is funny. Okay. <laughs> Good work, young Gary. I'll believe you. Yeah. Uh, there's a question here. So, a uh, question. What's been turning your crank in tabletop in the tabletop RPG RPG space? Well, uh, you got a good answer for this. Yeah, I picked up and have been reading a a game called Trophy Dark. Okay. Yeah, it's like a horror, um, uh, like uh, kind of rules light storytelling game about uh, being lost in a souls like dark, foggy woods. Nice. Yeah, it's like horror medieval kind of uh, kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, I joined. There's a guy who advertised. Uh, I saw the advertisement on Facebook where he sends you a random RPG book once a month. Ah, shit! I need to sign up for that. Yeah, I, I've signed up for that and gotten some real weird shit. Hmm. Uh, so nothing that has made me go deep. Mm-hmm. It. um but like i got the star trek next generation role-playing game which i didn't know existed mm-hmm. uh there's a role-playing game based on the authority like the old wild sword comics uh that's real weird i didn't know that existed so it's been fun to flip through uh, a bunch of them have not had much staying power mm-hmm. in terms of like actually being interested but i think that's a, a mood thing like i've been into uh modules yeah uh so i've been reading adventures and things and a lot of those are just uh you know, D and D had their big public relations crisis and everything is on sale. So like a bunch <laughs> of D and D paths, you know, like D and D books, like big campaign setting things are 20 bucks. Yeah. So I bought a bunch of those and I've just been reading adventures. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Which is, uh, I don't know how to explain it. It's just fun for me. It is. Yeah. 
Uh, Ned says, when is the last time a game or series surprised you with how much you enjoyed it? Did it become a lasting favorite or did the feeling die down? Do you find this happening less as you get older and play more games? That's a great question. I, the, the, the last time something surprised me uh, because I already had assumptions of it, which was Cuphead, mm-hmm. which I did not think I'd enjoy at all uh, no. based on it being a massacre boss fight platformer. But I, I got my head around it and it's not as hateful as I thought it would be and mm-hmm. ended up actually enjoying it. Um, it's not like an all timer, but I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably the last time. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see here. There was no chance that I was going to not like this game, but, um, here, like most recently, like they've been asking for the last time, uh, I was really caught off guard by how good the RE4 remake demo was. Like nice. a lot of my uncertainty about it was kind of assuaged by the choices they demonstrated, um, mm-hmm. in that first kind of slice there. Uh, yeah, no, I feel fucking amazing about it. Cool. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're days away. Mm-hmm. So yeah, going to play that. For sure. Uh, is this happening more or less as I get older? Um, less because of the job, though, more than yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah. I'm not really, like, just picking up random things to play them as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Casey writes, you see a group of people sitting at a table, and they are all Duckfeed listeners. What do they look like? Uh, so white. Yeah, doughy white guys, like, generally. Yeah. Um, not entirely, but, like, you know, that's probably true. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how to fix that. It, no, nope. it's, it's, you know, we, we have, um, a, a, a relatively sizable audience of, uh, trans folk, mm-hmm. you know, which is great. And I, we have, uh, LGBT, uh, you know, that includes that as well, but we, we have, you know, uh, queer folk as well, mm-hmm. uh, in our crew. Um, I don't know. I don't know how to, if we wanted to have a more diverse audience mm-hmm. without just adding someone to the show, which we've talked about this, yeah. like, I don't know how you do it. Yeah. You know, so as much as that, uh, I know that Casey didn't intend this as a existentially mm-hmm. upsetting question, Yeah, but yeah. like, you know, the answer is a little existentially upsetting and I don't know how to fix it. Right. You know, um, I also don't, I'm not sure if it is a moral imperative to fix. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just an interesting thing that I think about a lot. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, there are only so many levers you have for controlling the people who find you. Yeah. yeah. You know, and and who I will appeal to. The same thing, you know, we were talking about the character creation thing. Like, our, in particular, uh, biases and proclivities are, some of them are related to our life experience and privilege, but that still exists. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's extant. Um, we can intellectually understand what it would be like to care a lot about a a character creator just using that micro example like Mm -hmm. that i'm not this isn't all about that we can intellectually understand why someone might do that but that's very different than feeling it ourselves yeah you know um and uh part of our remit is you know to be ourselves to to try to to be uh complete people Mm -hmm. on the show you know to, to know ourselves so yeah probably uh probably mostly doughy white guys yep not entirely Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Um, what's Greg say? Greg says, uh, I picked up one of my lifelong hobbies, skiing, thanks to playing skiing on the Atari 2600 as a young kid. Have either of you picked up a hobby or an interest due to a video game? Uh, yeah. I bought an electronic drum kit after playing rock band drums mm. and can kind of drum. I'm not good at it, but I did that for a while. <laughs> yeah. Similarly, I uh, picked up guitar uh, because I love Guitar Hero. 
It's like, mm-hmm. oh, this is like what this is simulating is fun. I wonder what it feels like to do the real thing. And just, yeah. oh, it's hard. It's harder, but also fun. There's that little tool tip. It's like, you should pick up a real axe. I did. And like the, the metal <laughs> font that yeah. came up in Guitar Hero in between levels. <laughs> You're doing pretty good. You got, yeah. a, you got a natural, an instinctual strum. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you you really flick that lever real good. Yeah, the um, just a uh, weird little fluffing tool tip, uh, without taking into account like they're, they're very different skills. Like oh, I'm not saying they're not you know yeah. fun, but it's very different. Uh huh. As a thing. Yeah. Um. Yeah, th- that's probably the biggest example. Yeah. Uh, that I can think of. Uh, Gotham writes. What are your favorite go-to meals to cook? Uh, what do you cook when you want to impress someone? Uh, I make a mean chili. Same. Uh, been been making uh, chili more often. Um, I make good pulled pork. I make good Cuban sandwiches. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I do a good uh, do, do do a good adobo like uh, like a carn. God, I always forget which one. Carnitas shredded pork. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. The uh, none of which are I. I'm still in a certain kind of like I do a lot of one dish meals. And mm-hmm. then I'll like throw a bag salad on the side. Yeah. Uh, typically I don't uh, do multiple courses or lots of sides because uh, I have a bad time coordinating cooking times. Mm-hmm. Um, I cook, I have kind of a linear brain sometimes and I tend to cook things in order, <laughs> uh, which is not how all food comes out hot. No, no. You know, at the same time. Yeah. And I don't really cook to impress somebody. And a lot of my eating is just food that I uh cooked or like par cooked ahead of time and vacuum sealed so i can have a protein and a vegetable and a starch and yeah. get on with my life yeah it's a, a bachelor chow yeah. scenario mm-hmm. a little bit yeah uh let us move on to the topic let us we're, we're coming up on time yeah uh not on time but it's it, it is time to do so mm-hmm. yeah yeah um this one's gonna be kind of uh we're we're, we're, we're kind of giving ourselves a the one that's straight down the middle here uh yeah. samuel writes uh what are some of your favorite individual video game levels games keep getting bigger and bigger uh but there is something to a game providing a distilled bit of goodness yeah uh so the, the, again this is like as we mentioned this is a softball because some of this stuff is stuff we talked about before but i really do i love a, a marquee level yes you know very much like i uh you know the idea of a as as a bit that you remember back when you think on a game, mm-hmm. I like it much more than like, so there's ways like your, your mind will elide a lot of the experience of a game, right? Like mm-hmm. it's a, it's, it's the reason why you can look back fondly on, you know, a uh, uh, super or final fantasy four and not just think of tapping through goblins. Right. You know, you're thinking of like the plot highlights and stuff of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like that as a level concern as well. So like yeah. if I think back to half-life two, I'm thinking about Ravenholm. Yeah, there's a lot of great levels in that game, mm-hmm. but that is the coolest level. Yeah, you know, uh, it, it's it's a more uh, descriptive or direct way of omitting a lot of the experience. Mm-hmm. You know, because I'm not remembering a gestalt of just kind of a general feeling the game had. I'm remembering like, oh no, 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 this is specifically what the game did, and that fucking rocked. Yeah, you know. <laughs> the best level, you know, ultimately becomes kind of the biggest selling point because, you know, when everything's firing on all cylinders, it perfectly encapsulates, um, you know, everything that is cool about the game. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah. So yeah, Ravenholm is a big one mm-hmm. uh, for me. I love that level. Yeah. Um, Ravenholm yeah. is uh, is is really huge. I mean, we 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 can we can say why as well. Like not just because it is a horror level that is embedded in there, yeah. but because like very specifically, you know, you're dealing with a lot of enemies, and it is right after you get the gravity gun. Like you're kind of figuring out how to use that thing, you know, to to well, a to, to a huge degree, and it gives you so guns. much. Yeah, yeah. The, the enemies don't have guns, so there no there's not ammo drops. Mm-hmm. really and Ra- there are but not very much in uh, ravenholm so like the idea is you just got this gun here use it in a playground for mm-hmm. using it um it's full of all like the traps and yeah. stuff you can set off against enemies and everything mm-hmm. it's just very clever uh, yeah. as a change of pace um it does so through uh denial you know mm-hmm. through through taking you and resetting your verbs and limiting them but then crafting the space around it to like have as much possibility yeah as i can uh to throw like a non-western like example in there for that it's also the same reason i love uh even tide island and breath of the wild oh yeah which is the best part of that game Mm -hmm. weirdly enough like yes it's just you doing the beginning of the game again but at the point it can show up it's so refreshing Mm -hmm. to have to scramble uh, yeah you've been in like post-scarcity mode Mm -hmm. for so long um and honestly kind of like you know, at a certain point, like I like Breath of the Wild a lot. I'm looking forward to Tears of the Kingdom. Mm-hmm. There is a point in that game where the magic runs out for me. Yeah. Like the possibility space of what I can find through exploring gets too limited. Yeah. This kind of reactivates that because it recontextualizes the things I can find as necessary. Like I want those sticks and apples and shit mm-hmm. all of a sudden. Like I can find things I genuinely need and want and will provide value. Yeah. That's something that the level does specifically, you know, the level that's around your verbs does to to change how you engage mm-hmm. yeah no just uh, uh kind of changing uh, you know just forcing you to put on a new set of eyes or you know refine the way that you were looking at the game before mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. uh is a re- is a real good way to uh a real, real good way to put it together um can you think of an example where like the mechanics are not necessarily different but like the um uh just the the, the overall you know atmosphere is a bad word for this but just like the point where you are in the story makes it feel climactic like my classic example on this is the magitech factory in uh, final fantasy mm. 6 right you're not doing a lot of you know like crazy different stuff there but well, a lot of the stuff still... you're doing there fucking sucks yeah. like the magic factory as a, as a wireframe is bad there's lots of blind drops mm-hmm. like the, there's rooms where there are three holes one of them can t- makes you go forward two of them make you go back yeah. There's no indication of which one to do. Mm-hmm. And it's just an excuse for you to do more random encounters. Like, yeah. I think I like the magic factory as well, but that's the, the soft way, yeah. you know, it's, it's just because of music, mm-hmm. you know, it's music and the, the color palette. Yeah. You know, basically like that would be my example, probably from final fantasy six, even more so than the opera, which is the one that gets called out all the time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I think I, you know, generally really good. I, I the other uh, Final Fantasy VI level I think is really really strong, uh, like that. Uh, in part due to music, but also because of plot stuff, is uh, going and getting Cyan after the World of Ruin. Oh uh, shit! Yeah, you're you know, right. In, in his castle, like that's really neat. Mm-hmm. You know, that has a tone that I think is yeah. really cool. Yeah, man, that's a good game. 
<laughs> I've, been, I've been listening it, to because of theater rhythm i've been listening to a lot of uh a lot of old uh final fantasy music or just like you know looking at remixes because there's just all kinds of different arrangements on, on spotify of final fantasy music so like falling asleep to like piano adaptations of those songs is the, real the music is the secret weapon it is yeah in that, in that game quite a bit that unlocks yeah. quite a bit yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah generally for me like i as a, a gameplay guy I appreciate that more. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't just want a tonal thing. I, I, I usually don't just want an atmosphere. Yeah. I want it to meaningfully change up the play as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and you can do both. Yeah. Uh, obviously. But like, I, I prefer that to just this area has really striking music, mm-hmm. you know? And, and the reason being is I can experience that without playing it. Right. We're talking about games game. here. Yeah. Yeah. And nothing yeah. to do with the game. You know, just the Magic Factory, like my old band covered the Magic Factory theme. Yeah. Like it's, it's you know, that exists in a vacuum or mm-hmm. it can. It doesn't have to, but it can. Yeah. yeah. Um. Oh my gosh. Uh, like there are obvious standouts where like the, epi- the, like the level is, or the level or even just like the sequence is the thing that sticks out the most to people. So like the Hotel Escape from um, oh, yeah. uh, from Dark Corners of the Earth. Uh, similarly, uh, Oceanside Hotel uh yeah. from vampire the masquerade uh, i i swear i'm not just thinking back to the first episodes of the of the show that we did well, there's a reason why we did those early right oh yeah like you know because because they were cool like they, <laughs> they were uh really awesome you know games are imperfect but people weren't talking about a lot mm-hmm. like uh the hotel escape in dark corners of the earth is great uh, yeah. for lots of reasons like not only is it uh tonally like it has an atmosphere you know, it is tenser and differently paced in the entire game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a different gameplay mode than you've been in. And it also marks a transition of the game from like, you know, I have to now fight back. Yeah. Like I am overwhelmed. Now I have to fight back, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it, it turns out in that game, like the fighting back part of that game is less interesting yep. than the, the walking around <laughs> bit. Like it's not as good. Nearly as good. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it's a, in terms of just the plot construction of like being on the back foot. Yeah. It, you know, there's a feeling to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really good. Yeah. Just the, the, the you know, fight, fighting back, uh, you know, the, the actual people, the enemies being dangerous is most interesting when it is brand new and when you are yeah. being forced to adapt to it in a very, in a, in a very short time. Right. Yeah. Uh, Arcane are the Kings of this. Oh to God. Me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Dishonor one has lady Boyle's party. I love that level. Like you put, you know, putting aside misogyny, stuff like mm-hmm. that like that is a great level and then dishonor 2 has two great level has a crack in the slab and the jindos mansion mm-hmm. which are both masterpiece uh masterpieces of level design like yeah. i don't use that word lightly you know i, no. I recently replayed uh dishonored 2 mm-hmm. incredible fucking game yeah like just <laughs> absolutely 10 out of 10 game to me um and th- those levels are a big part of it like the- marquee that, that that that's so you know so wild because like those like those are exceptional for different reasons i think mm-hmm. like the actual kind of layout of crack in the slab is nothing too special um whereas the layout of the jindosh mansion is and you know, it's everything right it's like the most complicated the, thing in the world oh yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. um and like it, it I mean, this is gonna sound very uncharitable but like i don't know uh the crack in the slab it's really neat but also it's a gimmick level Oh, it, it's super gimmicky. And it's also, yeah. it doesn't have, by taking away all your powers and just having you swap time zones, mm-hmm. you can instantly escape from anything, yeah. which is as a stealth game, that is a really major change. 
mm-hmm. you know, it is taking uh, the concepts that you're doing and the narrative weight of what you're doing and the novelty of it. The gimmick is propping up. Yeah. You know, the play in that. And that's not something I would like if it were most of the game. Yeah. You know, that's something I don't respect. It's it's real similar to, um, you know, to a, to a Ravenholm where it's a reprise. Like, it's the kind of thing that stands in contrast yeah. to the rest of the game. And I think that a lot of the time, my highlight levels, my favorite ones are ones that stand in contrast that way. Right. Mm-hmm. So, like, if I think about uh, Eventide Island versus the Magitrack Factory. Yeah. The Magic Factory, which I, I also love, is a tone and atmosphere that I really like. Mm-hmm. It's just more Final Fantasy VI. Yes. Though, you know, so my, my favorite ones are ones that are like, we've we've done this kind of level over and over. What about this kind of level? Yeah. Uh, yeah city construction in Titanfall 2. Uh-huh. Uh, that's really cool. Like <laughs> when you're in the, the, the city building uh, factory. Oh, it's so uh, good. Like, it's, yeah. it, it, is, it is the best use of the parkour in that game. Yeah. Yep. You know, and just this very surreal environment to mm-hmm. be in, like very unusual in the context of games mm-hmm. to be moving through familiar spaces at like canted angles. Yeah. Um, like that. Uh, Suburb is in Hitman. Oh, uh, yeah. Hitman yeah. 2. Big one for me because it's a and the reason why is that that is a globetrotting uh, exotic adventure. Like there is an element of those games that is like wealth porn. Mm hmm. You know, uh, Hitman tends to hang around high society, not entirely, right? Like, yeah, I, I'm yeah. not discounting the levels where you're in poverty, but like, you tend to go in and be in exotic locales. Doing James Bond shit, yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and being in an incredibly mundane space that is familiar to anyone mm-hmm. is is a new kind of paradigm for that. Yeah, having right. access to all those houses with their individual kind of storytelling kind of deals. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know, being able to disguise yourself as the realtor and have... 47 improvise a tour of a house yeah yeah Yeah. please sign me up yeah Yeah. it's (laughs) it's really good so it's almost like a a good level uh almost to be to be like one of these these best levels for me almost has to operate on contrast yeah you know uh if i think about like painted world of ariamis Mm -hmm. which i love uh it is a self-contained level that you kind of go through a miniature version of dark souls to get through yeah <laughs> you know like a linear like a uh, uh, collection of this with a uh, with the you know the shortcuts doubling back instead of different checkpoints mm-hmm. and stuff um or a, li- a linear version of demon souls yeah, you yeah. go through you know in the middle of this it's the contrast that makes it yeah it does yeah i mean you know, s- similar with uh volcano manor right yeah yeah refreshment is is really underrated in this yeah you know th- things live in their their level context and like i'm always going to feel a lot of sympathy for a level that uh is stands athwart or uh says something about the levels that came before and after mm-hmm. as opposed to something that's just an escalation or a good execution yeah. of what came before and after yeah you know uh it i've got one that feels like it, it is very much uh like against the spirit of the question but also I can't imagine a, a version of the world where this doesn't count. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to say it. The Spencer mansion. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's two thirds of the game, but it's so fucking good. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the mansion is, it, it was going to say, I was going to bring that up too with yeah. um, games that defy a level structure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Kind of like that. That make it kind of hard to talk about. I was thinking about um, in Silent Hill two, the going beneath the historical society is yeah. a really memorable gaming moment for me. Mm-hmm. It'd be weird to call it a level. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not a level. It's like a sequence or like a scene, you know, this the Spencer mansion is, is 
more than a level, but also <laughs> it's still you know, a space that is designed mechanically and is incredibly satisfying to get through. Yeah. 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 Spencer you know. Mansion is great. That's, that's a, that's a holy space. Yeah. I, and I would also, the police station as well. Mm-hmm. And two, I would say holy yeah. spaces. Well, uh, you mentioned the other one, which I wanted to a question to put to you, um, which is uh, also from silent Hill two. I think silent two, silent Hill two has the best final level of a game mm. that I've yeah. played. Uh, just the hotel where everything comes together mechanically, tonally, uh, and from the narrative kind of you know standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the Lakeside Hotel uh, is so good. There's yeah. a reason why I've got a keychain that is the key and the little tag from Lakeside Hotel. <laughs> it's a, it's a great hotel. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's 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 great. The bed's comfy. Yeah, uh, good turn down. Um, but yeah, yeah, great good. level. Yeah, good final levels uh, that you can think of. Like, what makes yeah. a good final level for you? That, that's a little tricky. Like, a lot of final levels uh, tend to. We talk about this a lot on the show. Biff it in favor of trying to, like, they sacrifice stuff on the altar of challenge. Yeah. To make a climax. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, good final levels are tough. Yeah. There's like appropriate final levels. Mm-hmm. Um, like I like uh going into the kiln and Dark Souls one. Yeah. That level is nothing special, like walking past the ash and the ghost knights and stuff. You're just fighting dudes you fought. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's just a boss run, but it feels good. It mm-hmm. feels appropriate. Yeah. You know, for that. Um, and then the boss having this like surprise downturn, mm-hmm. you know, being uh being plink plonk being, uh, sad <laughs> yeah. as opposed to uh you know. <laughs> Sorry. I just love plink plonk as an adjective. Get, getting mad at pianos because of under release. <laughs> it's all fucking plink plonk, plink plonk. Uh, I love pianos in real life. Um yeah, it's it's hard for me to think of uh, very many that hit all the, the marks. Yeah. For that. Even Resident like even series I love, like most Resident Evil games I don't think do it. No, oh, no. The lab is never my favorite part mm-hmm. of a Resident Evil. Like the yeah. ending lab is always a little tedious. To yeah. Me. Um, Agreed. Yeah. And then, uh, boy, you know, I think about other other games that I have like a lot of, uh, I, I guess, you know what? Uh, a good final level that uh, does this and everything are the final levels of Shovel Knight. Games oh, yeah. Those yeah. are excellent. Uh, they're, they're just taking all the stuff. Like you literally go through themed rooms where it's like, here's the gimmick of this night, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, here's the final exam for that gimmick. Yeah. But they're still very breezy. The The checkpointing is generous enough that it doesn't feel hateful. And those mechanics, uh, to my mind, are so fun that it's really, like, it feels good to revisit them. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. going through all the different mechanics and then doing the boss rush at the end of those after doing that feels very appropriate to me. Those, I mean, I've only played the base game, but like uh, Shovel Knight gets a huge thumbs up for actually having a boss rush that doesn't make me want to fucking die. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it's the Mega Man DNA. Yeah. You know, the Mega, the Dr. Wily Sage is also a good example of this. Yeah. Yeah. Do a really good job. Those are great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm having trouble thinking of other ones because you know, we kind of run the gamut here, but yeah, I, I've, I've kind of hit the broad themes. Yeah, I, the, yeah, kind of the mind. things that make a, a really good kind of standout mm-hmm. level uh, for this. And then there's also like individual tropes that, I, that I'm always going to love. Like I'm always going to like a mad science laboratory, yeah. Monster Zoo, a museum mm-hmm. is, is always good. Like going through a space that is not for video games, like mm-hmm. an amusement park or a museum or something like that. That's always really fun to me. 
the, the, the Nicholson's electroplating mission from L.A. Noir, where yeah. you go through the soup factory. <laughs> yeah. Fuck yeah, just, man. <laughs> like, that, that is very like intentionally funny and then also funny. You know, that's so good. Like, um, yeah. oh, might be, that might be a standout in and of itself. Yeah. That, that's a great mission. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So hopefully we've covered some things that make yeah. good levels uh, to our minds. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. Uh, I, uh, thanks, everybody. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, th- thank you. Very, I need to get back to that tab. Thank you, uh, Sam, for the uh, topic mm-hmm. prompt. Yeah. Uh, let's read everyone's responses. Let's do. Uh, I will get us started here uh, on Cuphead with Gus, who says, I enjoyed the Cuphead episode and agreed with a lot of the criticisms you outlined. Uh, When Cuphead came out, it was extremely my shit because I'm a huge fan of early animation and Cuphead so perfectly captures the look of those old cartoons. I personally have a unique relationship with Cuphead since it eventually became a way for me to bond with my sister's kids. I wanted to find new ways to entertain them, uh, which didn't involve getting my face smashed in with a moon bounce. Mm. Uh, So I decided to let them watch me play some of the more child-friendly games in my Steam library. Cuphead was a huge hit with them, uh, and they would happily watch me fuck up against bosses for hours. If you think King Dice was bullshit, you never had to beat King Dice while two little kids roll you into the stupid memory monkey again and again, because they think it's funny to see you in pain. Um, When my niece found out that they were adding a girl Cuphead, she was ecstatic. Now they're old enough that they can actually start playing the game, and both of them have forest follies and a couple of the easier bosses under their little belts. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, that's very sweet. I, I always love a story of a video game as a bonding experience for, for a family, you know? Yeah. Yeah, very nice. Yeah. Uh, no no notes. No notes? Uh, Willem uh, says, and I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. It's been a minute since I've read. Mm-hmm. Uh, so apologies uh you're on the slack and i, I don't mean disrespect if i mispronounce mm-hmm. that uh it says the frustrating thing about cuphead's difficulty is how much it clashes with the theming you're a cartoon a cartoon doesn't die in three hits it is both the defining feature and stated aim of every single cartoon character to take three hits and not die <laughs> uh, i think the game's premise might actually be that you're the one non-cartoon in a cartoon world <laughs> That's why the bosses can use all the powers of visual imagination and cartoon physics, making so much, uh, making so much of both that they're literally the reason we're playing the game. But Killinger voice, not you. Uh, you're just a little video game guy that goes pew, pew, pew and dies a lot. I mean, the game's still pretty great. And I know the fragile lead character isn't necessarily an absolute betrayal of the cartoon setting, but I also know that Fleischer's ghost would beat up the entire Moldhauer studio if he ever learned uh, they were doing this in his name. Come to think of it, I'm actually kind of into this situation purely as an eternal punishment for doing all that racism. Sorry, Max. Uh, I know you wanted to create joy, but you're now forever yoked to Massacre and the pain it creates. <laughs> Uh, what about a game where you're Eddie Valiant from uh, Roger Rabbit? Okay. Uh, and you die in one hit and all the cartoons don't. It's I mean, kind of the NES Roger Rabbit game, but not, you don't die in one hit in that. No. You, know? you, uh, yeah, you do a lot of, of goofy cartoon game. shit. Yeah. Like you drop exploding cigars for people and shit. I think the most, uh, the, the most apt uh, version of this is Cool World, where you're annoyed in a, you know. In, in, oh, in, sure. 
in Toon World. Yeah. 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 I would, somebody should make a game of that. <laughs> the, 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 uh, yeah. Of course. Oh, yeah. Um, Dylan writes, Cuphead is frustrating in all the fun ways, uh, with the possible exception of the roller coaster boss. I'm sure everyone has two or three moments of that one boss in Cuphead, and it kind of seems like it's designed to be that way. There's a cool community aspect of Cuphead I really enjoy, one where people swap stories of frustrations and foibles in tackling the gamut of bosses. Every gamer is different, and everyone has a different pain point or mental click. Uh, it's great to read about uh, how these can wildly change someone's experiences. I played Cuphead for the first time in April of 2021 while on a plane from a long-term work assignment for COVID. Uh, It was around seven hours of traveling, and I was super antsy to return to my cat and girlfriend who I hadn't seen in five months. Wow. Um, Cuphead was the game that I played to help uh, direct the nervousness I was feeling, uh, and it'll always be associated with the stress of COVID and the joy of knowing that I was finally going home. Nice. Yeah. yeah. It does It does create those, like, you know, war stories, <laughs> ga- you know, gamer battle stories, yep. you know, of like, man, that this fucking boss, which I, I like that stuff, too. Yeah. I think that's fun. <laughs> um, yeah. Five. And it is, it is a Cuphead finds your weakness. You know, similar yeah. to a Dark Souls kind of thing. Uh, with all the variety that it has, it's bound to. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think Dylan has a point that it's, you know, just it, even if it's not intentional, like it is inevitable with the with the design that they chose. Yeah. Yeah. Five months yeah. away from your girlfriend and your cat. Wow. Yeah. Tough stuff. That's, Traveling that's for a work. lot. <laughs> no, no fun. Um, Andrew says, uh, rounding us out with Cuphead. I agreed with pretty much all the things you said in the Cuphead episode, but I think I just liked it more because that sort of do it again, but right this time feels more rewarding to me. Even if I scheduled a dentist appointment because my jaw was hurting before realizing it was because I was grinding my teeth every time I played. (laughs) Uh, Two addendums I want to toss in. One, I think the DLC gives you a little bit more flexibility since you can do the Curse Charm sub-quest if you want to eventually get a super item that I use for both uh, Chef Saltbaker and the Devil. Not suggesting you should have mentioned the episode, just putting that out there. Uh, two, what you should have mentioned in the episode, but didn't, are the unique puns you get for losing at each phase of the boss. In addition to the visuals and little marathon meter, there was an element that kept me going loss after loss. I will be following a notice with the Better Podcasting Bureau post-haste. Oh, God, no. I, I don't even oh, remember those. We can't we, we, we can't get in bad with those guys again. We, we, I don't we don't have I'm, the strikes. I'm King Kong, motherfucker. You, you fight me, oh. uh, Bureau. I, I don't. I'm gonna take them on, dude. You give a shit. Your address isn't registered with them. They send really big guys out. I have replaced my balls with guns. <laughs> uh, individual tiny little nine millimeters. Um, I, I don't, Nina's, as I call them in Snoop Dogg speak. I've got two <laughs> Nina's in the sack, and I'm ready to attack. Uh, my eyes are as red as the sun, and I am not gonna fuck around with that Bureau. For one more minute. Um, I don't I don't even remember these. I, I I'm sure it happened, but I was yeah. so frustrated when I lost I just wanted to restart as soon as possible. Yeah, I, I got a sense for how far my <laughs> for how far I was through a phase and then I just mashed through. Yeah. Uh, get, I do I do rem- like there were some of them that I remember, uh, but uh but they, they're cute. I'm happy they're there. It just uh didn't yeah. stick out enough to mention. It's uh it's better than the alternative. Yes. I just uh you know I just wanted to get back into it. I, I'm I'm a guy who, when I lose, I want to be able to rapidly try again yes. uh, as fast as possible. Please. Oh. No. Uh, moving on to the coin game. The, the coin game got a big response, Gary. I, I saw, saw that. That's great. Yeah. That's very encouraging. 
<laughs> uh, Sam writes, it doesn't have the atmosphere of the coin game, but a similar game I've played a bit of is Tower Unite. Uh, it's similarly based around arcade games, but it's an online game like VR Chat or Second Life. The character models come uh, from the Steam Workshop. You use the points from playing the games to decorate a virtual condo, and there's a movie theater where you watch YouTube videos. Uh-huh. I wouldn't recommend it over the coin game, but having a few beers while I dressed like Kiryu Kazuma uh, and watching a bootleg copy of Coraline was a cherished gaming experience. Uh, oh, that sounds very, rad. <laughs> yeah, that's very sweet. Yeah. I got a lot. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. I never heard of that. Um, Anthony says, uh, I thought you might appreciate this story that your coverage on the coin game reminded me of. When I was about 10 years old, I went to a carnival with my older sister and two of our cousins. We were playing the balloon popping game that shows up in the coin game. And my sister decided for whatever reason to roll the dart sideways like a baseball <clears throat> at the wall of balloons to see if she could somehow pop multiple. What ended up happening was that against all odds, the dark ricocheted off a balloon and came flying back at us. It lodged itself in my forearm about an inch deep, leading to one of the biggest don't tell mom moments of my childhood. As my cousin (laughs) just laughed and the carny handed me a single bandaid before moving the line forward. (laughs) I bled like crazy and still have a scar on my forearm to this day, 20 years later to show for it. Mom did, of course, find out when she saw me and said both a fun family story and also some deep-seated trauma that makes me avoid staying near these booths at carnivals. Uh, that's great. I, the carny wouldn't even give you, like, I feel like you should get a tiny stuffed hot dog or cocaine mirror or something for that, yeah. you know? <laughs> I'm surprised they don't keep forums. Like, okay, if you accept this prize, you can't sue. Yeah, also, yeah, good, like, yeah. good luck suing me because I don't have a fixed address. I don't have a fixed address. You don't even know my name. You know, like no one does. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm ephemeral. This is this is some Ravenloft shit. I came with the carnival. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh God! I, I just, I love, I love that a uh, little kid innovation. Like, I figured this out. I'm gonna do it, and then just throwing, and it just backfires immensely. That's and, and, yeah, a very good story. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Vivian writes, uh, I'm so excited for your show on this. I've listened to the abject suffering for it multiple times, and I adore the game and its jank so much. Be sure to try out the Christmas beta if it's still up. It covers the island in snow and adds a mall. Uh, it also has a no clip, no clip mode. Press C so you can see all the secret weird stuff in the game. Uh, if you're ever in the ever in the mood for some game facts gold, the Steam forums for this game, particularly the pinned game suggestions topic, um, has some great nuggets. There's someone who I can only assume is a child that posts wonderful success suggestions like, "I have a suggestion for you, Kevin. Take a break, do some swimming, or take a rest. <laughs> and if you like them, then you might like it. If you do something good, do biking somewhere, or you can just watch a movie. <laughs> That's very yeah. sweet." very sweet uh the only major addition i'd love to see in the game at this point uh is some retro styled arcade cabinets there's enough enthusiasm behind this game that i'm sure he could uh he could crowd crowdsource some at this point yeah Uh, i didn't i didn't know about the no clip yeah i i played the christmas update and went to the mall and tried to peek through the curtains of the movie theater Mm. Uh, i gotta get back on it i'll go there today (laughs) and just like look around with no clip that's awesome you call yourself a fan of the coin game. I, I didn't, I didn't think to press C. <laughs> uh, it was incurious of me to not just press a random button to, to find know, a secret. Right? Um, the, uh, that's awesome. 
there is uh, there are retro games being added to it now. There's still there are already a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want outsourcing the development of those seems like a good idea mm-hmm. to me. Uh, the Space Invaders clone is just fine in there. The pinball is not very good. Uh, having good retro games in this would be pretty rad. It's just it, it, the the physics based um, stuff seems to be the developers kind of yeah. enthusiasm, you know, like yeah. their competency for it. So, yeah, it would be, it'd be cool to have. I want the, the full childhood simulator, please. You know, yeah. Very cool. Oh, man. Tower Unite looks rad as hell. Um, uh, I, I also have that up in a, a window and that does look really, really neat. Yeah. So, OK, sorry. Um, no, it's OK. Uh, Dylan says. One of the better memories of my childhood is when my mom took me on a surprise trip to Dave and Buster's when I was 10 or 11. It was my first time at Dave and Buster's, and I remember being totally in awe and a little bit overwhelmed by all the fun decisions that awaited me. I played a whole lot of that Jurassic Park shooter game where you set in a facsimile of the park Jeep. I also discovered a surprising talent for those games where you need to press the button to stop a light on certain rewards for certain mm. rewards. Uh, the coin game captures this memory so well. Just having fun and being in an arcade with no restrictions other than wherever I want to leave or exit out of Steam. But more than the physical location of the memory, it's surprisingly good at capturing the feeling memory of being a child in an arcade. At the risk of sounding esoteric, Tim O'Brien's book, The Things They Carried, describes how sometimes the story truth can be more real than the actual truth. In other words, uh, it sometimes better serves a work of art to modify the real truth if telling the real truth really wouldn't show what it felt like to be there. How is this related to a physics sim of an arcade? It reminds me of what it felt like to have childhood joy and wonder, not worrying about how much money uh, it costs for every play. It felt like endless fun knowing I could enjoy any game while pizza waited for me out in the back. Were the coins actually endless? Of course not. Did they feel like they were? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, well put. Good response. It feels like the things they carried came up recently on something else we recorded, but I may just be mixing up. I may be making up memories. So yeah, I'm unsure. Yeah. The, um, yeah, I, I really hope you washed your hands after playing that Jurassic park game. There's a lot of, uh, teen semen. That's yeah. where teens get pregnant in that cabinet. Yeah. A little, with a little curtain there. Yeah. I put it together that, uh, there, there's a very good possibility that if somebody was conceived in one of those cabinets, they've already graduated college. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, and, and they're on the, the fast track to the presidency. <laughs> <laughs> bound for greatness. Yeah. They're absolutely bound for greatness. The kind of civil servant that's conceived in a Jurassic Park cabinet. The world is not ready for. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, otherwise other than telling you just go wash your hands now just to be sure um sure. i've got i've got no notes you're right the, the 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 capturing the feeling i think is the biggest uh the you know the biggest it's, thing it's here. a great it's a great thing to aim for and it's a thing that i think that games miss a lot uh, mm-hmm. the other example i think about a lot with this is a retro game challenge yeah which which does a lot to try to capture a a, 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 a emotional truth a story truth as opposed to just like what things actually were mm-hmm. you know yeah yeah Agreed. Uh, moving on to Mark and the Ninja. Uh, Autumn writes, Mark of the Ninja was the first game where I understood that stealth could be interesting. I've always struggled with one thing, though. If a stealth game has collectibles, I'm not incentivized to find my own path so much as explore every nook and cranny. The newer Deus Ex games uh, have this problem because they award experience for exploration. Uh, do you think stealth games and immersive sims are better with a plethora, are better with a plethora of optional objectives? I, the, to me, the, I, I get the the similarity. To me, they're different because 
in Deus Ex, uh, there can be uh, intrinsic joy to exploring a different path. Mm-hmm. So like, and there'll be non-collectible things. So uh, in Deus Ex, I need to get into the server room. I can go in through the floor or the ceiling, both of which might have interesting, uh, might just be interesting spaces, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, they also might just have like ammo and pickups and things I want. Yeah. The thing with Mark of the Ninja is that like, a lot of times they were just collectibles or I need to get a certain number of collectibles to get the, the honor points for mm-hmm. things I didn't want. And the, any room basically looked like another in Mark of the Ninja to me. So like going through a, a higher room or a lower room might have different tactical concerns, but it's just very wireframe Yeah, uh, to me. So like, I, I think that that uh, in general, it, it, for me, it just depends. It, mm-hmm. I think I need more than just uh, these paths are identical, but um you know, one they have a one has a collectible and one doesn't. Yeah, uh, but a little bit more can can bridge that gap for me. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah, if that makes Be, sense. Yeah, no, I, I I don't have anything to add. No. Uh, moving on to uh, John uh, says, when I first played Mark the Ninja, I really enjoyed its slow, methodical pace that gave you time to consider every move before executing your plan and your enemies. After I finished the game, I decided to watch some Let's Plays, and then I realized that my laptop hadn't been up to scratch. I'd been playing the game at half speed. Oh, no! Uh, nevertheless, <laughs> it was still a very enjoyable experience and a testament to the core mechanics of the game. Uh, <laughs> me with uh, Arkham Asylum, the first time I played it, on my old computer where everything was like at 75% speed, and I didn't really realize it. Huh. I just thought it was a slow game. <laughs> so, Yeah, well, I mean... I mean, I'm trying to picture what I think uh, half speed market that enjoy would be too slow for me. It'd be a little rough. Yeah. You know, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah. But if you don't know, yeah. you know, it's interesting the way that that works, right? Like if you don't know what proper speed is, yeah, you know, you can just feel like a game is slow mm-hmm. without anything to compare it to. Andrew writes, uh, when I first started playing Mark of the Ninja, I really did not like it. The levels felt too long for a sandbox approach, and check marks too infrequent to work as predetermined challenge rooms. Once I got more abilities, though, it started to click for me. I get that you're supposed to go back and use use the abilities you got to perfect earlier levels, uh, but that feels kind of presumptuous to me. At the very least, I think it might have been worth letting you stealth kill from any angle right from the go as long as you are undetected and in range. The story also was a total dud to me. Along with the visuals, it felt like an also-ran Jackie Chan Adventures. There were moments uh, where everything came together and really sang, and I felt like uh, I was making a specific plan and executing it, Uh, but they felt almost more by accident than on purpose. Uh, Because if they were on purpose, why not just make a whole game out of the black box? Or fun, flexible challenges with multiple approaches. Yeah, I largely agree. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the story and, and aesthetics of this did very little for me. Um, I also think that the upgrade system sucks and they should have just had all that stuff from the beginning. Um, I, I found more of the situations fun, mm-hmm. uh, I think, than Andrew uh, did. Like, more of it was the black box. Yeah. But it was a black box that was poorly decorated and, you know, the metaphor falls down. Mm-hmm. But it, aesthetically, <laughs> you know, the aesthetic and fluff stuff didn't never really worked for me. Right. In it. Uh, personally mm-hmm. but yeah largely agree yeah uh patches says really enjoyed mark of the ninja when it initially released and played it into the ground a few months ago i came back to the remastered version and found that while i liked it 
I wasn't as keen on it as I was before. Sure, I finished the game over a few sittings, but I didn't go back and replay the levels over and over. Having played a lot of 2D games in the intervening decade, I think Mark's slightly sticky and slow controls that make it a good stealth puzzler detract from the game as a way to pursue pure flow state. All the good, good Metroidvanias and action platformers that have crowded the indie space since then really make Mark of the Ninja show its age, in my opinion. Yeah, there were times where the stickiness of the walls did fuck me up. Oh, yeah, I, I stuck to shit all the time. Yeah. On accident. Like, it, like Metal Gear Solid 2 mm-hmm. levels of accidentally going into postures, sticking to things, falling on things. Like, doing yeah. actions you'd never do in real life on accident. <laughs> not yeah. doing an awful lot of pressing up against walls. And certainly not on accident. <laughs> you know? <laughs> if I press up against a wall, it's very on purpose. You know? <laughs> No. yeah no but i can I, I can see that comparison you know or you know i, I can see that uh that remark about kind of newer i mean like even at the time like just a uh a, a 2d a you know side-scrolling 2d game was pretty out of fashion yeah. you know like indie stuff was just kind of getting ramped up in 2012 you know to a degree um you know especially popular indie stuff yeah no it's uh, uh it the, the form has been advanced yeah I, I think so. Yeah. That would be my uh, my opinion. Uh, what do people say about Crisis? Yeah. Um, crisis here, we have Malachi. Uh, I believe that's how that's pronounced. Uh, if it's not, I'm sorry. Uh, crisis is a game I've always wanted to play, but never got around to it. You guys announcing it for the show finally gave me an excuse. I think Crisis is one of those games that I just missed the bus on. I'm sure at the time it was revolutionary, but for me in 2023, it's a pretty game with middling gameplay. From what I heard about the game before, being a super soldier and power armor, I expected the game to be a power fantasy, but instead I felt like I had to make my choices very carefully or die really quickly. I feel like the energy bar was just too small to really make me feel empowered. Who knows, though? Maybe I just suck at the game. Best part uh, was picking up the frogs, though. You do get to toss a frog. Ah, man, I never tried to pick up a frog. I was throwing turt. You can you can toss anything in that game. Mm. It's a it's a great little immersive thing. Like I don't exercise my power to throw a turtle mm-hmm. very often, but I like that I can in real life. And similar to like turning a faucet in Duke Nukem 3D or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, I like that game that allows me to throw a turtle even if I don't do it. Do you think a turtle would like it if you skipped it across the across a pond like a stone? Nope. Okay. I think it would be absolutely an abject terror. Okay. Uh, I don't think animals like almost anything we do to them. <laughs> like a domesticated pet likes it. They'll let you know what they like. Uh, anything else you're doing to an animal, they probably don't like it. But what if like, I got like, like more than three skips off of it. Like just a real A plus just. I'd be impressed. It wouldn't be like a, like a roller coaster thrill for them. No, the other turtles might be impressed. I think the turtle living it would not know whether it was going to live or die. Okay. Okay. Huh. Well, I mean, but but if he survived, he would be real popular and get lots of turtle ladies, right? He he might get lots lots of turt trim. Mm. Uh, yeah, who knows? Mm. Uh, it's tricky. We should do this. We need to do an A B experiment. <laughs> we need to go to the least ethical pet store that we can find, <laughs> <laughs> and then find the most unreal unregulated lake in America, <laughs> and become YouTube sensations as Logan Paul two and three, the turtle torturers, <laughs> who are famous on YouTube for how much they hate turtles. <laughs> Which is unfair because I love turtles. Yeah, well, you know, he's not torture them. 
Okay. Um, well, that's yeah. your opinion. Yeah. <laughs> the honorable <laughs> men can differ. Uh, and then finally, uh, Kieran says, uh, Hey guys, been ravenously listening to your shows for about a year now. First time writing in a response. Growing up, my dad was really into building cutting edge computers and I have fond memories of him showing me Half-Life 2 and other mid 2000s classics when I was a young child. When Crisis was touted as the most intense game to run at the time, he immediately jumped on board and upgraded his rig to run it. He put together a massive water-cooled tower complete with non-conductive UV reactive fluid that glowed blue even when he spilled a good amount of it on the carpet. <laughs> uh, aside from the graphical intensity, I don't remember Crisis being that satisfying itself to play with some immersive sim elements, fine shooting, and subtle uh, nouveau red scare messaging. <laughs> Looking forward to hearing the episode on it. Your yeah, dad basically. sounds awesome. That's that, a, like that's a real good dude's rock thing. That that, yeah. that does rock. I want to spill some glowing shit on the carpet. Yeah, or at least see it. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah that, that sounds cool. What could it hurt? Pro- yeah. Probably Pocket and Jessica, but yeah, exactly. yeah. Uh, hopefully not. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you're you're pretty you're pretty right. <laughs> you're pretty right about the play. It, like both yeah. both of these folks are. Again, you're under no under no uh don't have to play it yeah 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 i do not have to hand it (laughs) to crisis there are a lot of other games where you get the same thing but way way better yeah so uh thanks everybody for writing in we appreciate you you. it's a good time uh would we like to announce the uh, uh upcoming games gary we we would with the first caveat that if you have things to say about april's games Yes. Right into duckfeed.tv slash contact. Those are Ender Lily's Quietest of the Nights, The Sexy Brutal, and The Quarry. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, looking forward to those. Um, and uh, in May, if you have thoughts to uh, if you have thoughts about uh, these games, write in by May the 15th. Again, duckfeed.tv slash contact. Uh, the first of which is going to be Norco. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Orco's brother. Mm. The uh, uh, big adventure side- game. Yeah, wow. sci-fi, point-and-click, mystery adventure game that got lots and lots of um, uh, plaudits. Yeah. Uh, folks really seemed to dig it, and so throwing it on made sense. A lot of, uh, have you played this? Yes. You know, so so looking forward to that. Uh, after that, we are doing a patron request. We're doing The Bard's Tale. Uh, yeah. I'm fascinated and scared uh, <laughs> by the, the idea of doing this. Uh, it is an old uh crpg like dungeon crawler first person crpg mm-hmm. it's one i've heard a lot about it's really interesting uh the yeah. creator behind it is very interesting uh he's somebody who his faith like informs hmm. his his story uh there's an interview jeremy Parrish did with him a long time ago uh he is a, he is a christian man mm-hmm. um it is not a christian game but it is a thing where it comes through yeah in the theming and stuff uh and it's a, it's a big blind spot for me yeah um, so th- we're not doing the 2004, like Baldur's mm-hmm. Gate, Dark Alliance alike that, no, no, we're not no, doing no, that. No. This yeah. is, uh, we're probably going to play, uh, the remastered version of the first one. Yeah. The, the, yeah. the collector's edition where they put them all together. Yeah. Um, they put them all together with one, two, and three. Um, we're, per- you know, we'll, we'll see how we're doing. We're probably going to do, do one, not do the whole tril- trilogy mm-hmm. of these. Cause that's a lot of game. That's a lot. You know, yeah. It's quite a bit of game. We, 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 uh, pick the other games around it to be mm-hmm. short, but also that might be more than we can do. Yes. We'll probably talk about them though. I, I'm planning on reading about it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm excited. Uh, it's not something that we've done very much. Right. Like we haven't really done that genre, like a first person, uh, bloober blobber, uh, kind of thing. Yeah. 
you know? Uh, and then what are we doing for the premium episode? Our premium episode for that month is going to be uh, Super Mario Bowser's Fury. Yes. Yeah. Uh, this is a Gary pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is um, my favorite 3D Mario game. Mm-hmm. It is, uh, I think it's everything good about Mario 64, but in six hours. Uh, <laughs> yep. and, you know, and and better than. Yeah. Uh, personally. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, kind of a weird product. It is a miniature game that came with the remake of 3D World, which we have already covered. Mm-hmm. Um, but this game is worthy on its own. Very much so. You know, uh, biggest recommendation uh, for me. It, yeah. is, it is one of my favorite Switch games. Oh, it's uh, it, it's very it, specifically. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm very excited to play it. Yeah, so, yeah. it's really good. Cannot mm-hmm. wait to revisit. So, yeah, Uh, April 5th to write in about those. If you have thoughts about multiple games, please separate them into multiple responses. Uh, It is greatly appreciated. Yeah. Um, The other things you can do to help us out is go to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. Giving us five bucks a month gets you those premium episodes. So Bowser's Fury and The Quarry, all of our past premium episodes, a bunch of bonus shows and supports us. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Very, very appreciated. Yeah. Also appreciate it would be if you uh, rated, reviewed or subscribed uh, wherever you do your podcast stuff. All of yeah. that is uh, helpful for us. Yeah. And also appreciated is Gwen Static. Yes. Our producer. our producer. Thank you so much for your great work. Yeah. We appreciate you. Uh, yeah. And we'll see you next week. We will. Uh, with uh, Ender Lilies. Plink ooh. plonk, plink plonk. Plink plonk. <laughs>